A daughter coming of age at 118. A father losing grip on his control. And a human backpacker that stumbles into a mansion of monsters. It's Hotel Transylvania. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. start with the werewolf uh how mm. it's because there's and more werewolves in this movie than anything else yeah that is true that is true <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the monsters vs. men podcast this is the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies this week as we stay alive we're discussing hotel transylvania of course i am eric and i'm alex and Alex, I had not seen this movie before until we watched it for the show. Had you? Yes. I saw it when it came out in theaters. Yeah, that is just not surprising. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I should have known better than to ask. Yeah. You went to go see it uh, in 2012. I did. I by yourself? Went, no, I think I probably went to go see it with like CC or something. Like probably was nothing out that weekend that we hadn't seen already. Yeah. Ah, uh, who knows? I got no, I got no idea. Right. But I went. That's all I can tell you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's jump into it and see how we feel about it. I'm curious how you feel uh, about this one. I have no idea. So let's go ahead and jump in. All right. Let's do it. 2012's Hotel Transylvania pays homage to almost all the classic Universal films, making it a perfect film for our animated monster series. We've got Dracula, Dracula's daughter, Frankenstein, his bride, Wolfman, Invisible Man, The Mummy, and even Quasimodo. <laughs> but is the homage only a mirage of what makes these films great? Or does Ooh. the film provide too little, too late? What do you think, Alex? I mean... <sighs> I don't know if I would say the mirage, the homage is a mirage in terms of how successful they are. Um, now, is this as great as some of those? No, but it's also better than some of those that we had to suffer through, Eric. Um, <laughs> but I think, looking at you, Invisible Man, um, but I think it provides enough treats consistently to never be too late. Um, I, I love the references throughout and the way that they play on the monsters lore. And I, 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 I think we'll probably get more into that later, but because there's so much, so much of the movie is that <laughs> just, just talking about this or playing with it. Um, I, I like those elements. I also like the characters and Drac, um, even if they're like, there's nothing too deep about most of them, but I still kind of enjoy their presence. And I even like Jonathan a decent bit, even though he's pretty annoying. So, actually, I think the film's only miss, 
only missteps really lie mostly within its pacing. Because the overall story is clever, it's cute, whatever. But I feel like there's, despite the number of monsters, too little going on. Or maybe too much of the same thing just going on over and over. I just wish the film did more things to develop some of the relationships and better use some of its runtime to lean into the interesting characters that it's presented with us. But overall, Eric, I'm really curious. This is an Adam Sandler movie. So did you hate it? Ooh. <laughs> uh, hate it is a strong word. Uh, <laughs> it's a strong <laughs> phrase. I mean, to answer my question from the beginning and uh, from my introduction, my favorite part of this film are its references and its uh, homages to the great universal horror films and the monsters we saw in our universal series. Uh, my absolute favorite take in this film is its take on the Wolfman as this overwhelmed and now apathetic father of way too many. Right? <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, the Invisible Man being redhead is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the takes on the way that Dracula is the way that he is made me laugh because, of course, anyone would die with a stake through the heart, Alex. Um, <laughs> What I didn't find was any real sort of horror element. Like, we've kind of come to appreciate in some of the other films of this animated series, Mm -hmm. including friends, uh, friends, including films that are just as if not more uh, kid friendly, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have liked a bit more scare, just a little beyond Dracula's scary face when he got angry Mm -hmm. uh, which was really all the scare that this film had to offer there's a little moment right at the beginning of the of the movie whenever Dracula's approaching the crib Um, but beyond that there's there's no scare in this film Mm. yeah that's something that with Kennedy uh, Tarkovsky being the director here, I, I would have expected a little bit, a little more of that. Not that he's like known for his horror chops, but he's known for atmosphere. He's, he's known for being able to craft like these really interesting worlds. And yes, this is an interesting world for sure. I don't think I can dispute that. But what are what are his other films? Well, he's not really a not filmmaker as much as he makes TV shows like Samurai Jack, Primal. Um, Oh, that's this guy. Yeah, huh. yeah. I'm trying to think of his other okay. projects. Actually, I'm wondering if he's made any other movies. I'm kind of interested now. Interesting. I'm live on the okay. show, I'm looking it up. <laughs> um, and that, that that's interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, he this guy has chops. Uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. I, mean, which is, I have watched some of Samurai Jack. I haven't seen Primal, but that that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow, he's directed a bunch of stuff. Wow, his history goes back a lot further than I even imagined. Um, anyway, but he's really great at crafting worlds and atmosphere. I think he could have done something interesting with its uh, scary moments that I feel like it probably should have had like one or two of. At least with a more emphasis on tension. But that's okay. I mean... When I look at how Gwen reacted to the scare face that Dracula does a couple times, you know, she got scared. She was a little like, huh, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. what is that? Um, 
But you're right, there's no really horror here, except for... I actually think the townsfolk going after Mavis is a, is kind of horrifying at first. I, mm. I think it's really because a lot of the shots that are used in it are very claustrophobic, and you kind of feel bad for her, because you put it together, obviously, earlier than she does. Um, mm. And I, 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 appre- I appreciated the, those moments. You know, they're goofy. They're a little surprisingly gory, I guess, or I guess maybe violent. Is a better word for it because like they they put things through heads and like all kinds of stuff. And then the other thing I liked was like you said uh, th- the way they play out with all the monsters and how they work. Like the, the stake through Drac- Dracula, he's like, yeah, it'd kill anybody. He just doesn't like garlic. Like it's it's not gonna mm-hmm. kill him or anything. Yeah. And then like the Frankenstein's, I, I think are maybe one of the more creative elements, despite design wise being one of the least creative yeah. um, what I mean is like the Frankensteins mail themselves into the hotel because they can do that yeah. <laughs> when Frank goes diving off the diving board and does the belly flop and his parts just slowly separate mm-hmm. it's so funny Like my, me and Gwen were, were laughing pretty good when that happened um, <laughs> but there, there were uh, there's some moments that I think really are landed. Like, like Invisible Man has several like haha moments, uh, playing up the fact that no one can see him or that he has to wear glasses sometimes or anything like that. And like you said, Steve Buscemi's Wolfman is a real highlight with it, all of his kids and his one daughter that still respects him. <laughs> The, the really, I think maybe the most disappointing part of the film in terms of these characters, though, is CeeLo Green's mummy. And while his voice is super memorable, his character fades into the back of my mind because I can't really think of any tropes or almost anything that they played with regarding the mummy, despite him being in the movie, you know, just as much as a lot of these other characters. Yeah, the mummy has one trope and it's kind of like uh he's looking for a partner looking for a love in life Mm -hmm. uh but honestly i almost forgot to include the mummy in my list of monsters at the (laughs) beginning uh in my introduction because yeah there's not much for the mummy here Mm -hmm. despite that yeah i mean i think for what it's aiming for most of the comedy in the movie works especially when it plays on the characters and the lore though for kids lots of that may go over their head which may be why my kids weren't as enthusiastic about this one as they have been about a few of the others we have watched. Of course, it may have just been Adam Sandler, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, that did it for him. But <laughs> on a serious note, I didn't think the film does enough beyond paying um, homage to its monsters to justify all these sequels it has received. I couldn't believe this thing had three sequels. Mm-hmm. Like, what? But I guess it made enough money, right? Yeah. Uh, but even if you compare it to our film from a few weeks ago Monsters Inc you'll find in Monsters Inc you'll find a much more clever version of the monster versus human trope I really think they could have done more um, not just with like the relationships of the characters that you said I agree with you 100% like there needed to be more interplay between these characters Uh, they could have done more with that monster convention stuff at the end and I think Frankenstein um, 
the part of the plot seemed to be rushed or a, a last second addition, um, especially that monster convention scene. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it is a really convenient thing to happen. It's bizarre. And I could actually see people maybe no longer being scared of him anymore, like in the real world. Yeah. Like I can maybe actually see that happening, especially mm-hmm. during the daytime. But but the monster convention is rough. I mean, honestly, it's like, oh, how convenient. Now, is this a thing that's happening 24-7? Did you just happen on a Comic-Con weekend? Like, like, <laughs> like, well, like what is going on? I, I don't... <laughs> I don't need all the details, but some, just to make it make some sense, would be appreciated. And the other thing is, like, while I hate all of it, kind of, right there, the cape sequence, where they lift all their capes to help Drac get there, admittedly, mm-hmm. I thought it was a really cool moment. <laughs> Except it's like... You really have to suspend. Oh my gosh! Right, right? There. <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. But like seeing Drac feel accepted and all that, like was it earned? One hundred percent, no. But it didn't keep me from really liking that moment and feeling a little bit of emotion for him. Like you know, good on you, Drac. Like good for you, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah. It, but it's it's not great, and it really took me out of the movie. Overall. Mm-hmm. I like the film's attempts at emotion. I think they're pretty valiant. But they do something that a lot of the films should have done. They should have stayed on these moments longer. Built them up a little bit more. Just to earn mm-hmm. them a little. Uh, make them stronger. Because it feels like the yeah. bones are there. They just. Mm-hmm. They really just need to be have some flesh put on them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it, it, even the great scene where Drac and Jonathan are flying on the tables, I feel like we could have built the relationship just a little bit more and oh, really yeah. would have been sold on Because that moment's great. But we just needed like, yeah. just to hear more. And we You're right. right. It's like we just got to the point. It's just like the tipping point of where you can really do something interesting and then you kind of stop it, right? Mm-hmm. And move on. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And like that... Honestly, even that relationship, Jonathan and Dracula, that's the best developed relationship we have in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before I comment on that, though, uh, maybe that past comment that I made indicated that I strongly disliked this movie. I, I really didn't strongly dislike this movie. To me, it's just another film that I'm already struggling to remember, even though like I watched it a, <laughs> about a week ago right mm-hmm. um there's just not as much emotional weight as you might think there could be with the loss of a mother figure there's some don't get me wrong but i, th- I just think that the film could have gone further with the loss and maybe explored dracula and mavis's relationship further and and how they've been for the first 117 mm-hmm. years of mavis's life mm-hmm. um yeah there's some of that there's some of it but honestly, the most the most endearing r- relationship scene is that one you just mentioned. It's the one where Dracula and Jonathan start to form a bond, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we don't get that sort of bond. Um, I don't see it uh, with Dracula and Mavis, which is what the, the emotional center of this film should be. 
Mm. Um, we take it for granted that Dracula and Mavis have an emotional bond, but that's because the film tells us that they have an emotional bond, not because the film shows us that they have that emotional bond. And so that for me is one of the bigger issues is it's emotional center of the film doesn't convince me. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Dracula and Mavis work for me, but I'm a hundred percent with you there. I would have loved to know more about their relationship and grow that 117 years they've been together. So they feel really close and I can understand. I mean, we understand his protectiveness on like a flat level, mm-hmm. but it, that's exactly yeah. what it is, right? It's a flat level. Yeah. We just need yeah. something deeper. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, hey, Envy and Plus today, we do a Marvel versus men guardians of the Ga- galaxy volume three. As we have for several of our later Marvel vs. Men movies, we disagree. (laughs) (laughs) It's like three in a row where we've disagreed on. Uh, I think it's just just two, Eric. I think it's just two. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. What was before Ant-Man? Was it Wakanda Forever? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. It's the last three, then. It's the last three. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) So, we've disagreed on our last three Marvel vs. Men uh, to some extent. But you can find that conversation at patreon.com forward slash Pod. That's patreon.com forward slash Pod. Let's get into our awards, though, Alex. Who do you have compelling character? Quasimodo. What was this guy's deal? (laughs) Why is the only human here, Quasimodo, wanting to eat (laughs) and cook the other human? I don't get it. Quasimodo's still a human. He just has a bump on his back. He's not a monster. (laughs) Uh, I I don't even understand that character at all. He's really goofy. He didn't need to be in the movie. Like, (laughs) it's just I don't understand. I don't understand the character at all. (laughs) I don't either. I don't understand. I I kind of love the fact that he's in the movie as like Quasimodo. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just it's just truly like, oh, we are going to take all the universal monsters yeah. and put them in this movie. And he's one right? of I guess he's one of a kind. There's only one Quasimodo. Yeah. I mean, he, and he is a universal monster, right? Like I think I did a solo MVM Plus reviewing uh The Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Uh-huh. Uh so yeah, go back listen to that one. Uh, that was that's an interesting movie, by the way. Anyway, yeah, that's a that's a good choice. I like I like Quasimodo uh, as a compelling character. What about you, I, Eric? Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan <clears throat> yeah. is my character. Um, and what she said, you were kind of in between on Jonathan. I, I think he's I annoying, think as, but I I like him still. But I think he is annoying a bit. Yeah, I, I, he, he's definitely annoying in a sort of like uh, uh, spacious stoner, um, stoner <laughs> style of character. A hundred percent, like go with the flow type of dude mm-hmm. that is completely oblivious to all that surrounds him. So, in that sense, I wonder. Uh, you don't think someone that would be a hundred and eighteen year old? would find that attractive right um maybe there's not maybe it's not about finding someone attractive necessarily but it's about this sort of human connection that that they're forming uh 
but there's still something about his sort of innocence and his uh, wide-eyedness <laughs> towards the world that mm. I can appreciate. So I thought he was a good fit in the film. And I liked uh, Sandberg. His voice for him was great. <laughs> yeah, he did do a good voice. Voice cast did really great in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Except for maybe, well... Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, please. <laughs> That's ridiculous. All right. Which one will serve a line of war? Just keep moving. So here we go. Jonathan, uh, he's asking Dracula what this place is, right? And Dracula says, what is this place? It's a place I built for all the monsters out there lurking in the shadows, hiding from the persecution of humankind. Uh, A place for them and their families to come and be themselves. A place void of torches, pitchforks, angry mobs. A place of peace, relaxation, and tranquility. Jonathan. (laughs) Cool. So, it's like a hotel for monsters? (laughs) Dracula. Yes, exactly. A hotel for monsters. Way to sum it up. (laughs) Uh, It's this huge dramatic moment, and Jonathan is just... kind of takes all the drama out of it and summarizes it in a quick phrase. Uh which is just awesome because Dracula is this over-the-top character. Uh, so I, I, I like that moment. It made me laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty, pretty good. There's a few good lines here. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I. Uh, mine was when they're in the car, they're trying to go get Jonathan, they stop at the... They have all these roadblocks, and now they're, they're stopping because there's sheep in the road. And Wayne's like, what? Now there's no sheep. No, uh, they see all the sheep and they're like, ah! And then all the sheep disappear. What? There's now there's no sheep in the road. And Murray, it's like that was pretty sick, man. And Wayne says, "You eat lamb chops. It's the same thing." <laughs> uh, Wayne, Wayne's awesome. <laughs> uh, can't believe the acting. Who'd you got? Um, I ha- I gave it to CeeLo Green as the mummy. You know, I, I, I am going to say that he's almost forgettable because of how... He's not forgettable, it, but he's forgettable in that he doesn't have the part of the movie that I like the most. And that is all the fun references circulating like, about their character and all that stuff. It, they're just not here uh, for that character. Um, but what I, I want to give him the award for is that voice is so good and uh, for doing any sort of voiceover work, uh, he should do that stuff more often because it's a very memorable voice. Now, I guess he only, probably only has one voice, so he's going to sound the same whenever he goes in probably. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I really like his performance here. I, I like to have the way he handled that character. Fit it perfectly. Nice. What about you? Nice. Uh, mine is Steve Buscemi, who has now been in three of the films from our animated series, Alex. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but his take on Wayne the Wolf had me dying. Like, I, I love that. <laughs> he's just he's a funny character, uh, and that voice acting is hilarious and a little different. I had to check to make sure it was him, but it was. Um, his third film that he's been in in this series, which is awesome. So he's kind of like the MVP of the series overall. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's and he's uh, he's in this series four times, so yeah, people have that to look forward to. <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't tell anybody. The next three weeks of Monsters vs. Men, <laughs> we're covering the next three Hotel Transylvania films. Hey, Eric, you'll be relieved to know that Adam Sandler is not in the fourth one. Oh, man. There wasn't enough money in it for him, I guess. No, it, like most of the cast didn't come back for the fourth one. Because it was like, it wasn't a theater release and all kinds of stuff. Right. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I can't wait to cover that. And then also, any sort of animated series that there may be out there, if we can find one. <laughs> uh, what about, oh, that's a good shot, Alex. Uh, yeah, mine is the point of view, uh, shot from Mavis's point of view where she goes to the village for the first time and then all the villagers are all around here like uh, with their torches and their their uh, pitchforks and stuff. I think it's a, a cool shot. It made it believable from her point of view of what was happening as someone who had never seen a human. Um, I don't know. I, just, I thought it was very effective. So that, that works for me. What about you? Yeah, that was good. Uh, Mine's right at the beginning of the movie when Dracula lands on the balcony with his classic Dracula stance with his cape up. The, mm. the shot is just framed in this perfectly symmetrical way. You've got the classic kind of balcony window opening scene, and so it is kind of that creepy, ominous feeling, which I like to see even in this sort of, uh, even in a kid's film, I like the tone that you can create from those moments, even if you do twist it up and, and, deliver a dad moment versus a scary moment uh i like the atmosphere created there and that shot went a long way in creating that atmosphere mm, mm-hmm. yeah yep Absolutely. um unique award alex you got any uh yeah i think mine's going to be the um ooh, the wasted potential for a monster award and this is gonna right. go to the blob mm. blob where were you I wanted this blob in here more. Some more jokes with it would have been uh, wonderful. It's a movie that should be covered on here at some point. It probably will be. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Um, Mine was the favorite musical moment award. And it's when Dracula finally gets on the mic. Oh. (laughs) That was actually funny. I like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My daughter was like, oh. He's pretty good. <laughs> oh, he's pretty good. <laughs> Shouldn't expect him to have, be able to do anything. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, I'd like to see Gwen give it a shot. That'd be great. Oh, man. She'd love it. She could probably, she'd probably spit a verse herself. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, final thoughts and tiered rating. Why don't you go? Yeah, this is just a gamma tier. There, there's nothing particularly offensive, but about this movie, it's just really the, the the bad parts are. It's just it got so close with everything it wanted to do, but it just didn't do what it needed to. It could have just spent a little more time building uh, the relationships. It could have spent a little more time doing this and that, but instead, we we, we spent a lot of time doing the same thing over and over. Where we're saying, um, you know, we're harping on this guy is a human and this antic's going to happen. Oh, no, he's a human and this antic's going to happen. I know that's the whole premise is we're trying to hide him, but it it just kind of felt 
a little tired um, by the time it's all resolved because a lot of the stuff around it is so creative and uh, enjoyable. So, unfortunately, yeah, this is like a gamma tier, probably a lower gamma tier. It's fine. You know, it, <laughs> it's fine. I don't know how good the... I, honestly, I think I probably saw Hotel Transylvania 2. I can't remember. So that <laughs> tells me I probably seen didn't. seen the whole series twice. Um, no, I haven't seen 3 and 4. I have not seen 3 and 4. I confirm. Um, but I uh, I don't think I saw the second one. Because I would think I would remember. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is what it is. What about you? Yeah, uh, Honestly, it's a little disappointing to me. The, the film as a whole. Um for my kids, I just kind of their introduction to some of these universal monsters, you know. So uh, it's a little disappointing to me that there's not more done with them in, in a way. Like I, that's the part I appreciate most um, are the homages to these monsters, and yet I, I don't think quite enough is done. Um, it feels, unfortunately, like this is more of a um, money grab children's film. Which Ooh. I don't want to. I don't want it to be the case, but it, it feels like this is. We're gonna kind of throw some things together. We're gonna release it around Halloween. This is gonna be a perfect Halloween theater movie for people to go see. There are good moments here, though. Like you can tell that there is at least some thought and care put into it. So it's not a gabaretier film. It is a lower gamma tier film for me. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I want to like more about this film, but I, I just think that the relationships are not developed enough um, to justify that. The best relationship may be between Dracula and Jonathan, actually. Uh, and the, the, even the moment at the end where Dracula is, you know, becomes a bat to, to catch up with Jonathan kind of furthers that relationship those are the best character moments in, in this movie. So I, but the problem with that is that that shouldn't be your emotional center. That should be a part of your film, but the emotional center should be Dracula and Mavis, but that qu- isn't quite developed enough for me either. So I have trouble attaching emotionally to the film. And so really what it comes back to is me just appreciating the monsters. Um, and, and I'm just being glad that they're still being represented in 2012. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Eric, what are we watching next week? Next week, we watch Kubo, Alex. Oh, Kubo and, and the it is the last. It's the last film of our animated monster series. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to think of a rhyme. Um. Oh well, I I can tell you I can't wait to see Kubo and the Two Strings. It's got many things to say, and its animation style will keep you entertained all day. Ooh! When we watch Kubo, uh, will our review glow, or will we need to throw? it away I don't know man on the I'm money too tired. On the I'm money. too tired for this at this point 
Uh, as always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this episode at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com. You can follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at nvm underscore pod. Become a bargain basement at patreon.com forward slash nvmpod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, Christopher Clavero, welcome back, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Kamala Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Subblock B, Louis Loop, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, as always, for listening. Until next time, don't forget that vampires apparently aren't that affected by the sun. <laughs> and try, try to stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. But it lasted forever. <laughs> I was just waiting for it to explode.